Matthew 6. Let's get back into our subject, the Jesus way to pray. This is a very familiar passage. It's, it's kind of interesting that we're, I didn't really think about it until I got into the throes of it, but going over Psalm 23 on Sundays and, and the Lord's Prayer on Wednesdays, that's, uh, that's like two hallmark passages, you know, going through them together. So hope you're gleaning. I know there's a lot to take in, but hope you're gleaning and, and uh, eating and growing. All right. Let's, let's read this together or recite it together, if you know it by heart. Um, Jesus said, In this manner, therefore, pray. Let's start in verse number 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 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 I heard some King James coming out of you there. It kind of does, doesn't it? I actually had to force myself because I memorized it in that too. So, uh, but hey, uh, let's, let's get into this. This in Luke's gospel is, we're, we just read out of Matthew's gospel, but in Luke's gospel, it, this is all written and given to us. This instruction from Jesus is given to us in response to the disciples' desire he said, Lord, teach us to pray. I just always have thought that's an interesting thing to, to, for them to ask for him to teach them to pray. Because it's almost like sometimes we think just prayer comes natural. But it, it really is a part of discipleship. It's, it's something that's developed in our life. It doesn't just happen. Uh, and we've got to realize that prayer is something that you learn. It's something you learn to do. It's, it's almost like a spiritual muscle that you learn to exercise and of course if you don't then 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 there's that's a weak area of, of your life and your discipleship so we've got to we've got to be trained to pray to pray and that's what the disciples knew they came and asked Jesus they made this connection that everything that he does in public was somehow connected to his private life when they saw him go up on those mountains and pray and get off by himself and pray or they walked up on him and he was knelt by a rock or sitting underneath an olive tree and praying they, they said man there's a real connection here teach us to do what you do when you pray, because we know that somehow or another, if we learn to pray like you pray, we might can do what you do when we go into the villages and meet the people with needs. So real connection there. So prayer is a skill that you develop. So, so think of it like that. And, and we are disciples. We're first and foremost, we're disciples of Jesus. Amen. That, that's what we are. And a disciple, we, we don't use that word too much in our, our vernacular, in our language. Uh, it's, it's a learner. It's a, it's a student. So disciples are people that are learning the will and ways of Jesus. We're learning. We're learning to, to, to do life the way he would want us to do. And, and there's, there's a big learning curve there, isn't it? There's a lot to learn. There's a lot for us to learn. And, and I've, I, the older I get, the more I realize I'm not there yet. <laughs> don't, you, don't you figure that out? The older you get, the more you... And, and it seems like the more you know, what, what's the old saying? The more you need to know. You, you figure out you, you're not quite there so uh, just, just know that we're disciples of Jesus. That's, that's why I'm, I'm just thankful he graced me to be a teacher because me being a teacher to, to uh, folks like you, it, it provokes me to be a learner and a disciple. So it puts a demand on my life. So I, I really appreciate that. But uh, learn, train yourself to pray. Train yourself to respond in prayer. Now, we, we don't use that word too much. You won't hear a lot of that word coming at you here in, in the near future. Train. Learn to Train. If you want to develop a skill, if you want to learn to play the piano, you wouldn't walk by that piano and say, I wish I could play the piano. I've said that, you know. <laughs> it don't work, does it? You can say you wish you played the piano all day, but if you're going to play the piano, what are you going to have to do? 
You're going to have to get underneath the tutelage of somebody who knows what they're doing and they can train you and transpose their knowledge and ability into you. And that, what's, what's, what you're going to have to do a lot of? You're going to practice, 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 practice. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to learn to do this and this and this so you can sound like that, that, and that. You know what I'm saying? So it's practice. And so the same thing's true in spiritual life. We don't, we don't think of it as like training. But, you know, you have to train yourself. Train yourself to get up on Sunday mornings to come to church. You train yourself to come to Bible study. You train yourself to get up and pray. You train yourself. Train, train, train. You know, I, I could think all day long that I wanted to be a professional athlete. I could wish that all day long. I could buy baseball cards. I could buy the nicest cleats and shoes and bags. And in fact, we we had them boys come to town, all them dressed up stuff. We, we were just country guys, and uh, we, we were ranked number one in the state. So all these guys would come into our place, and they would be all decked out, and we'd just kind of grab a bat and a ball and went out there. They'd come be decked out, have their stuff, and we'd walk by them and say, that's a nice purse matching your shoes there. <laughs> <laughs> But you can look, you can try to look the part all you want. And that's kind of the hypocrite thing. You can kind of try to look the part. But if you don't train yourself, you won't take it, you won't grow an inch. That's right. Train yourself. And ask the Holy Spirit to help you. You're not in this thing alone. So we've got to train ourselves. That's a real important thing. And you know, when it comes to your finances, you've got to train yourself to learn to be generous. You know how you do that? I mean, when I trained to be a, a professional athlete, when I trained to do all that, uh, I did it when it was raining, I did it when it was cold, I did it when it was hot, I did it when I felt like it, I guess when I did it, I did it when I didn't feel like it. So I had to train myself, that's what I'm saying. And, and there's a lot of biblical analogies about spiritual life and athletics and training and things like that. You know, Paul said this about his body, he, he said this, it's really harsh, he said, I beat my body into submission. I make myself, I trained myself to do the right thing. I wish I'd have got that information a little earlier, <laughs> you know. All right, so Lord, teach us, teach us. Can, can we ask him to do that? Can, Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. We, we struggle with that. We struggle with finding the time. We struggle with plugging it in, knowing when. But Lord, I, I pray you would train us, train us about prayer, what it is, that our minds would be renewed in all of this, to understand that our prayers do matter. Teach us, teach us the vernacular, the verbiage, what you want, how to pray, how to pray your will, how to, how to, how to bring heaven to earth. Teach us how to do that, Lord. Teach us. And teach us to respond. You know, learn to respond in prayer. You know, when, when somebody's, you know, you don't need to make a show of it, certainly not. But let's say you're at the grocery store and, and somebody comes up to you and says, hey, uh, you know what? My aunt is not doing too good. She's in the hospital. Will you pray for her? You know what the best thing to do is? Right then and there. Grab her hands. You can go quietly or, or go to the car, but whatever you need to do. I'm not saying sling your arms and knock the peanut butter over or nothing like that. Don't put on no show. But just quietly, just grab hands and just pray. It can be 10 seconds, 30 seconds, but learn to respond. Somebody comes in your presence and they, they say, hey, I'm not feeling good. Learn to respond in prayer. Invite God in that situation. Train yourself to do that. Hey, everywhere, everywhere. Train yourself. That's what I'm talking about. Lord, teach us to pray and learn to respond. I mean, and learn when you have a need. You know, learn to respond. That's part of training your mind. Learn to respond. Maybe it's another believer friend or... or Call your pastor or leader or something and say, hey, you know what? I need prayer on this. And learn to respond and, and pull on that. That's, that's a real powerful resource. And there's a safety bonus when you And, you know, the other thing is, is, is and I'm as guilty as anybody, uh, I'll, I'll, if I met Shelly somewhere and I said, well, I, hey, I'm going to pray for you later. What's the tendency? Yeah. And you don't mean to, and you're sincere about it, but 
If you don't do it and learn to train yourself and respond right then, the likelihood is you're going to remember next Tuesday she's going to call you and say, oh, yeah, the doctor. Oh, and you're like, oh, Lord. And then you've got to play stupid, don't you? <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. And, and when we pray, now this is not my lesson today, and I guess I'll get to it in a minute. Um, pray the prayer of faith. You know, don't just throw a Hail Mary up. I mean, I, I don't mean that sarcastically or irreligious, but don't just throw one up and hope God does something. I mean, find something good that that person needs and pray for it. Pray directly for it. You know, if they need peace, if they need healing, whatever they need, that's good. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Every good gift comes from God. He's a good God, and he's the giver of good. He's the creator of good. You know, so find something good and pray in faith, believing God's going to bless them. And hey, if it's, if your faith is not there to pray directly for healing, which we need to get there more, but if your faith is not there, pray for their peace. Pray for their peace of mind. Man, if, you, if you've ever been really sick or under the gun with a doctor's report, you know your mind goes nuts. Pray, pray in that. Whatever you can find, find something good and pray it. And pray it in faith, believing God's going to meet them right there. I think that's real important. All right, so here we go. All right, so, so this daily prayer is about focusing us, on the, focusing us on those two great commandments. Remember those? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second's like it, it is what? You shall love your neighbor as you would want to be loved or as you love yourself, right? So Jesus is teaching us how to love God. You ever thought about that? We need training in how to love God. You need training on what it means to love God. I mean, we find out the gospel teaches us he loves us with a love that's absolutely everlasting. But our response to that everlasting love is that we learn to love him. It's just like two lovers, you know. All right. So learn to love others. Um, we, last week we talked about our Father's name. We talked about bringing that into our prayer. That, that one of the first petition in this prayer is, hallowed be your name. Lord, we want your name loved and we want your name cherished. We want you honored. All right. So let, let's get on to this idea. This is a really big subject here. So I'm going I'm to try to do my best here in the next few minutes. On earth as it is in heaven. Okay, let's get to the next part of this prayer. Jesus says this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed or cherished or loved be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see that? Your kingdom come. Okay. Your will be done. On earth, that's where we live, right? On earth, it's another idea on earth too is what are you made out of? You're made out of two parts. You know, you're made out of two things. You're made out of dirt and the breath of God. <laughs> That's what makes us. You know, God made, fashioned us out of the dirt, out of the dust of the ground. In fact, the word Adam means earth, actually, dirt. Adam was the first dirt bag, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> literally, literally. So, but, so when we're praying that, also we're praying on this earth as it is in heaven. Now, just, just a quick question. How are things in heaven? They're doing good, ain't they? They're doing good. How are things down here? Well, we're struggling, ain't we? At best, we're struggling. So we're praying that heaven comes to earth. That's Jesus' words. That's not, that's not some preacher or some crazy person. That's what Jesus says. I want earth to be like, I want my world to be like your world, Lord. All right, so, in fact, this is a paraphrase we used a few weeks back. Look at this. May your rule come. Your desires be done in me and all around me as it's done in heaven. Make our place look like your place. Hmm. Now, God desires for heaven and earth to be joined together. You know, that's how he created it in the first place. 
He created heaven and earth as one. It was like a little, I mean, earth was like heaven on earth. It was like, oh, saying it's heaven on earth. Eden was like that. Eden was a garden that was full of life and good things and God's good creation. And it was a place where Adam and Eve could walk with God every day in the cool of the day, it says. That was the description of their relationship that in the cool of the day, when it was the nicest part of the day, they took long walks together with God. How about that? That's Eden. That's, that's paradise. That, that was literally heaven on earth. We could say it like that. And, and being heaven joined with earth, it was the, there, there was no broken fellowship between God and man. It was a good place. And, and the story, now if you cut the story at Genesis chapter 3 where the fall is, and go all the way to Revelation 21, that, take out that whole middle right there, and you got Genesis 1 and 2, and you got Revelation 21 and 22. So you got God's good creation in Genesis 1 and 2. And then in Revelation 21 and 22, what do you have? You got the whole new creation. You got the whole new Jerusalem coming down to the new heavens and new earth. And, and the, the Lord speaks and he says, Behold, I make all things new. And there's no more sin, no more curse. So what we have is heaven and earth are joined together at the beginning. Sin brings a breach in that relationship. There's a breakdown there. And, and if we can say it like this, there, there's a separation between heaven and earth. There's a gap there. When God's plan is fully finished, here, I blow people's mind with this. You know where your eternal home is? It's going to be on the earth. <laughs> it's going to be on the earth. It's going to be a new, new made earth with no curse, no thorns, no, no stingers in the bees, you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's going to be a perfect place. But God's interested in the earth. He likes it. It's his idea, actually. And you and I are not heavenlings, we're earthlings. He's got some heavenly beings, but that's not us. We're earthlings. So when it's all said and done, the new Jerusalem comes and it says it sits on the circle of the earth. And heaven and earth are joined again. It's a beautiful picture. That's our, actually, that's our hope. That's, that's, that's the end game for God. It's to bring heaven and earth back together again. All right? Your mind just goes... <laughs> It's amazing when you read the story now because that, that's, that's God's plan. That's, that's the big idea. I believe that this prayer, this part of the prayer is praying into that. Talk to me. What you got on your brain? Okay, well, that's fine. Write it down. We'll talk about it later. All right, so your kingdom come. It's the, the kingdom idea here is the rule and reign of God. So we're praying that the rule and reign of God comes because we know that when God is in charge and He rules and, and, things, and people are submitted to Him, things work right. Life works right. Right? Everything works right when God is in charge and we're submitted to His will and His way. It all works right. So that's what we're praying. Lord, we want You to rule and reign because it works right when You rule and reign. It, it's said like this in Scripture, Romans 14, 17. You see that, that Scripture right there? For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not like a bunch of rules. You know, the Bible, New Testament has a lot of talk about you know, eating food offered to idols and, and, and drinking things and not drinking blood and all that kind of stuff. It says a lot of stuff like that. So the kingdom of God is not about all those regulations, okay? All those legalisms we put on people, whether it's their dress or what they eat or they drink. That's not what the kingdom of God's about, okay? The kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So what is righteousness? That's kind of a, a church, a sacred word. What is righteousness? Righteousness is just when things are done right. You just take all the suffixes off the word righteousness and you got right, right? So it's when things are done right. 
Don't you like things to be done right? I mean, whether if you're on the job, don't you like, if, if you've got people working with you or under you, for you, don't you like people to just do their job right? And, and in fact, if they don't, you're just frustrated. Can't anybody do anything right around here, you know? Because we want it done, it's, and it's, there's something inside of us, and it should be done right, you know? And that's why we cry out so hard against injustice and all that kind of thing, because it, it's just a crime when, when injustice hits, because things are supposed to be done right. There's something inside of all of us knows that things ought to be done right. And sometimes right in our world is, is our way of doing it. Now we've got to get over that. But when God rules, things are done right. In fact, you, know, you realize that's what final judgment is about? Final judgment is, is about Jesus coming and making everything right. He's setting it all right. He's, he's the king of righteousness, it says. He's the king that can do it all right. <laughs> I, I hear a song coming up. <laughs> I don't know, I hear a song. But, so, righteousness, so righteousness, peace, when God rules, peace is... is Enemies are vanquished. There's peace. And then there's joy. You know, righteousness, peace, and joy, that's the three things that everybody wants, whether they know it or not. They're looking for it somehow, some way. Most of them aren't searching in God. But there's something inside of us instinctively that we want righteousness, we want things done right. And we're offended if, if it's not done right. We want peace. We're, we're searching for it. We'll go to the doctor to try to get him to help us with it. We'll go to other people. We'll buy this and that and the other. And peace. We want peace in our minds and our bodies, everything. We want joy. All right? That's what it looks like when his kingdom comes. That's what we're praying. We're praying for righteousness, peace, and joy to come. All right? All right, so Jesus announces when he comes. You know, his, his main message was, repent. I want you to change the way you're thinking. Or we could say it like this. I want you to think about what you're thinking. Repent. I want you to think different. Because the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's, it's right here before you. I, I like to say it like this. Jesus is saying, heaven is in me and I'm bringing it to you. And Jesus was about bringing heaven to everyday ordinary life. That's what he did. You know, I mean, he went about where people were living and, and, and having their way and doing things and met them on the streets and all kinds of things. Why was he doing that? Why did, why did he just not stay in the church like all of us preachers do? We just stay in the church and preach from our pulpits. Because Jesus' message was that, that, that synagogue and that temple is not just where the kingdom of heaven is. Thank God for those places. But the kingdom of heaven is on your job. It can be in your house. I'll come to your house today, Zacchaeus, because I want you to know the kingdom of God wants to be in your house. I want to be there with you. He brought it to everyday ordinary life. And you know what? He brought it to everyday ordinary people. It was really the elite that didn't quite get it because they had another kingdom idea. All right. So the kingdom is now available to you. And now it's all available because of Jesus in a brand new way. And I'm going to give you new access to God. And because the kingdom now has come, and we don't hear much preaching about the kingdom. We need to do more of that. Jesus' main message was about the kingdom. And, and it wasn't, you know, here, here's, a, here's a, a real deal now. Let me just rock your boat again. Okay. Um, don't kill the messenger. But, you know, Jesus never, ever preached this message. Are you ready to die and go to heaven? Jesus never, ever preached that message. He never said that to anybody. I'm not saying that's the wrong message. I'm just saying it's one that Jesus did not preach. Jesus' reality was that the kingdom 
of God is here now in me. Do you want to be a part of it? That's a, we'll, we'll preach on that a little bit more and, uh, and, and open that up because it'll blow you away when you start looking in the scriptures and see all this stuff. And the kingdom of God was what he preached. What's that? You're living in heaven through salvation on earth. It goes, well, yes, but you go, it goes beyond the earth. It goes beyond the here and now. That dynamic is supposed to be happening in us. That heaven on earth is... Jesus said when you're born again, John 3. When you're born again, what happens? You enter... Uh, a man cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless he is born again. So when you're born again, okay, that happens here now, right? When you're born again, you enter, you become a citizen of the kingdom of God, of kingdom of heaven. You become a citizen. And then he said something else about the kingdom of God. He said, you can't even see the kingdom of God. Now, that's an interesting thing. You can't see the invisible kingdom of God unless you're born again. So when you're born again, something happens to your eyes. And I'm not talking about these eyes. I'm talking about like spiritual eyes that you begin to perceive something different. See, eyes are what you perceive things with. Paul, we just prayed it. The eyes of our understanding... See, eyes of your understanding. See, that's not your eyeballs. Eyes of your understanding, that has to do with your mind and your soul and your spirit, all that stuff combined together. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Okay? So Jesus says that to Nicodemus. Nicodemus didn't get it either. Nicodemus was like, what are you talking about? I'm I'm a grown man. I can't step in my mama's womb again. He didn't get it. Okay? Jesus had to keep explaining. You can't see the kingdom. So that means when Jesus says things like, so you enter the kingdom of God when you're born again. You, you begin to have, if, if you open them up, you begin to have spiritual eyes to where you can start seeing God's rule and God's reign. And then Jesus said something real interesting in Matthew 6, He said, but seek you first, what? The kingdom. the kingdom of God. He said, I want my people to be, the first thing in their mind is, how is God ruling in this situation? Or how can his rule come to this situation? So we seek that out. When you seek for something, what do you do? You look for it. So when you walk into an office, job, a person's life, or ministry situation, or something like that, you begin to seek, God, what are you doing here? You begin to look for his fingerprints, his hand. What, What are you doing so I can partner with that? Holy Spirit, help me. Or help me bring your kingdom here. See, that's, those are all important things. Those are all like big things, really big things. Too much for just one little Bible study. But Somebody had something over here? I, I did. I wanted to ask. So what you're saying is when you see things, you can see the miracles happening and the prayers answered. And, you know, you can see God working in certain ways. This church is growing. You know, you can see. You begin to see and perceive him working. Um, it's, it's a big part of our hope. That, you know, faith is not believing that God will work. It's believing that God is working. That he is working on it. You know, this thing you just said about your brother. See, that's, that's the kingdom trying to break through. You see that? You partner with that and you pray about that. And it's a shaft of light, but let's blow the whole lid off the thing. You know, it's just a, it's just a glimmer of hope. And, but you're like, oh, you got to. You've got to. That, because that, that's what you partner with. 
You partner with that hope and that shaft of light that you see breaking through the darkness and you go for it. And, and, and the main place you go for it is in prayer. That's what Jesus is teaching us. And as we pray, then we become bolder to do the things we need to do in public. You know, whatever that might be. Okay. I know these are big ideas and stay with us and stay, keep talking. Hey, I don't have it all figured out either. So, so some of your questions will be too big for me to answer, but we, we, can, we can begin to chip away at it and begin to understand because Jesus wants us to know more about the kingdom. Because see, people are longing to be invited into something bigger than them. You know, in, in, in ancient Israel, if you were to ask, if you were to walk up to somebody and ask them if they were going to uh, die and go to heaven, they'd think you were a pagan. Because see, the pagans were the ones that were obsessed with the afterlife. You look at all the Egyptian stuff. They're all the pyramids are about obsessions with afterlife and all that kind of thing. The Bible's obsessed with our life today. Now God's got many, many promises about the hereafter. Okay, so it doesn't end with today. It doesn't end with my life. It goes on into eternity. In fact, it, that's what He calls being born again is eternal life, right? Okay. So the kingdom. There's there's parts of it that are here now. Shelley, what you were asking this question there. The kingdom is here, and it's still not yet. You know what I'm talking about? It's still to come. And the fullness of the kingdom will come when the king comes, when Jesus steps foot on this planet again. When he does that, it, 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 it'll be on, all right? Now, let, let's see what we can do, all right? Uh, see where I want to go to. We talked around a lot. Now, what is, what is kingdom again? It's rule, dominion, and reign. All right, it's, it's the realm or sphere of influence where your will is done. Okay, for God's kingdom, it's the realm or sphere of influence where his will is done. Okay, your kingdom come and your will be done. That, those two go together, really. You can't really separate it because if God's kingdom comes, it means that his will's done, right? Okay, the will of the king. If you're going to serve underneath the king, you're going to do his will, right? All right. Uh, let's see. So, so kingdom, we got the kingdom of God. You know, we don't have much kings in our day. You know, we don't, we don't have hardly any, but we have like the kingdom of Great Britain, right? The United Kingdom, what it's called, right? And yeah, they're, and they're struggling with all that. Uh, we, we don't have many monarchs in, in today, uh, but, but you have a kingdom. You know that? You have a kingdom. Your life is your kingdom. In fact, you know what? Jesus is very plain that you're going to give a stewardship and a report on how you handled your kingdom. How did you handle what was put underneath your domain? You know, I think one of the greatest lessons I ever taught Lily, and you parents listen to this, if, if you can. It's one of the, she, she grabbed a hold of it, finally. But I, I, I made her room her kingdom. And if she took care of that kingdom, she could get out in this other kingdom that belonged to me and do other stuff. But if she didn't take care of her kingdom, then there were consequences for all that kind of stuff. And if I had to step in and help you take care of your kingdom, then it's really not good. But I, I, I created space for her and said, this is your domain. So I didn't go in there every day picking at her, messing with her. That's her world. You take care of it. I would peek in, and I told she knew what I was doing. I, we talked about it. You know, God's going to come to us one day, and he's going to say, how did you do? How did you do with your kingdom? So I'm stepping in, and that's what that illustration is. I step in. How, how's things going in here? Good Lord, it smells. This kingdom stinks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's potato chip bags in this kingdom all over the place. You know, that kind of thing. Let's get your kingdom straight, girl. Let's get this thing together. You see what I'm talking about? Just learn to do that. And, and you got to do it age appropriately and all that kind of stuff, obviously. Um, you already do it. You may not use that verbiage. But, you know, when you give that kid those car keys, you give them a lecture. 
because that, there, there's kingdoms expanding in those moments. You see what I'm talking about? So the kingdom, we've got a kingdom. You've got a kingdom. This is one reason why it's so hard to be a leader and, and not offend people because I've got a kingdom. We're, we're, setting, up, we're setting up church world. It's, it's like a kingdom. Okay, it's supposed to operate like a kingdom with King Jesus, the head of it. You've got a kingdom. You've got a kingdom. Everybody in this room's got a kingdom. Okay. And so now as a leader, I'm called together to bring, we're called together as a tribal meeting, called bring all the kingdoms together and let's figure this thing out. And what you find out, the kingdoms clash. Don't you find that out? They fight. I learned these lessons early on. Anybody remember this car right here? We... <laughs> We had one. Look, just like this. 74 Ford LTD is about as long from here to the bridge. You know what I'm talking about? It was a big old joker. And it had the big old, uh, what they call that, a jump, jump seat in the back back there and all that kind of thing. And you could sit 42 people in that car. <laughs> and three of them could lay down in the back. <laughs> so we had the 74 Ford LTD. The, the lights kind of covered and raised up like that. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. We had one of these. So let's, let's get the idea of kingdom, okay? Me and my little sister used to sit in this car. And we go on trips, okay? And we'd fuss and fight all the time. We'd fuss and fight. So Daddy would have to give us our little kingdom, and I'd have to go to the back. I'd go back here to this jump seat back here. And Daddy said, you stay over there. And the boundary of my kingdom was the back seat, was the back of that back seat that went right through there. And if I even as much as stepped, uh, uh, just put my hand over there, Daddy pulled the car over, and he'd beat us. <laughs> I mean, I'm not lying. Y'all think I'm lying. Y'all, it would just be right there. I mean, he'd flag a state trooper down to witness it. He wouldn't care. You know, uh, he for real. My sister's kingdom would be right here, okay? And I'm, we're going, we're having these little kingdom wars while we're going on vacation, you know? We're picking at each other and all this kind of stuff. You, you stay over there. You, you know, that's kingdom. But who, who's, whose kingdom was this car, really? It was my daddy's, right? And somebody once said, you know, if you... If you didn't believe it, he, he, my daddy's arm was as long as this LTD. I mean, <laughs> and he, he could reach his arm back and take care of his kingdom, and he'd hit the brakes and bring me right to him. I'm for real. <laughs> we didn't have seatbelts in the things. You know, we didn't wear them anyway. But we learned kingdom. It's just an idea. You know what I'm talking about? My sister had a kingdom. I had one. They're all developing. We're learning how to rule and how to relate with other people's kingdoms. But, you know, that's an analogy. So, so when it works right, when Jesus is praying, when, when he's teaching us to pray, when it works right, what do we do with our kingdoms? We bring them underneath the rule of his kingdom. That's when it works right. You know what I'm talking how can, how can all these kingdoms get along? Well, if we're all underneath the same king, there's, some, there's a miracle of unity that happens somehow or another. It brings us all together. Okay, one of us gets out of sorts and we decide we want to have our will and our way done, whether it be me or you. We, we, we lose that, right? So Jesus is teaching us, your kingdom come, Lord. Father, I want your kingdom. Jesus, bring your kingdom to me. So I'm, I'm taking as a king. See, see, there's a passage that says Jesus is the king of kings. Remember that? And the Lord of lords. We think about that as king of nations of all the earth. And that is true. I like to look at it like this, that we're kings. We're kings and priests unto our God, the scripture says. He's the king of all of us kings. And we willingly, so that's what I got. So if I'm going to have, 
his kingdom come, I'm going to have to take my rule and reign, what I've got. Now, he didn't, I found this out. I, he doesn't take away my authority when I come into his kingdom. He doesn't take away. He wants me to use my authority. You understand? So if I've got a, if part of my kingdom is a business, he doesn't call me into his kingdom and say, I want you to leave your business. Now, he might do that depending on what his plan and purpose is. Let's say he doesn't. He doesn't call me to leave my business or my job. He calls me to take all of that and bring it with me. And then he will learn, I will learn and he will teach me how to take all of that and see his kingdom come in my business, with my employees, with the products that I sell, with the customers I have, the people I come in contact with. Does that make sense to you? And we learn to see his kingdom come. Your kingdom come. See, the kingdom of the earth, what the kingdom of the earth needs is the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus preached it. That's why it was his first message, and it was one he preached everywhere he went. What the earth needs is the kingdom of God. They need the rule of God in their lives. And this, this kingdom is so grand and so great that, you know, on earth as it is in heaven, I mean, Jesus took that personal. I want to start taking it personal. Jesus took that, that idea of on earth as it is in heaven. I want, for Jesus, that was Nazareth. That was Capernaum. That was these little towns in Galilee. That was Jerusalem. Jesus wanted to see heaven come to those cities. So when he walked into those cities, those small little towns like Gibbertown, I mean, every one of those Bible towns are like the size of Gibbertown. It's just little communities where people and families are gathered together, not very big. Jesus came and he saw somebody that was sick. Why did he go to them and heal them? In fact, in certain places it says he healed everybody in town. Several places it does. Why did he do that? Because that part of earth didn't look like heaven. And when Jesus saw somebody that was sick, he took it personal. And he said, you know what? That's not heaven. That's more like hell. You know what I'm saying? If you've ever been really sick, that's more like hell. That's why it's such a tragedy when somebody dies or somebody gets sick. We feel that. We, something tells us that's not righteous. That's not right. You know, it's not right for that person to have cancer. If you know anything about cancer, you just know that that is not from God. Now, can God use it and redeem it and draw people close? He, he can use everything and anything. He's good at that. But just because he uses it and turns it around for good doesn't mean it came from him. I've sinned and done things that are terrible. And God redeemed it and somehow or another made it a better place. But he didn't have nothing to do with me going and doing that. That was my doings. That was me doing my kingdom thing. But God's so good that he'll take all that and the, his word is redeem it. He'll bring it together and somehow or another use all that and bring wisdom, compassion, all kinds of things in your life. So when Jesus saw these things, he took it personal. He said, this doesn't, look like, this doesn't look like heaven. And he knew what heaven looked like now. He came from there. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? So he's like, that doesn't look like heaven. So he would pray. He went up and prayed things just like this. Lord, we're going to go into Capernaum today, Father. We need to see your kingdom come. I'm going to go down there and I'm going to search and I'm going to seek and I'm going to see where you're working. And that's where I'm going. Okay, so today we're going to a synagogue. He's in a synagogue. He looks around. There's a man that's got a hand that's all gnarled up. It didn't look like heaven to Jesus. That was hell in that man's life. Jesus went over, stretched out his hand, and it was made new again. The kingdom came. Heaven came. 
You see what I'm talking about? It came near to those people and it blew them out of the water. And you know what? Some of the other kingdoms started fighting against that kingdom, didn't they? See, you got to know that when the kingdom comes, there's going to be a battle for it too. You got to know that. Because we're not a, a people, we're not a family on a picnic. <laughs> we're people in a war, really, to be honest. It's a war of kingdoms. And the kingdom of earth and the kingdom of darkness doesn't let go real easy. Hi, right, we're about done. That's about all I can get in there. My goodness. We, it's a, this is a really, 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 really big subject. It's, it's amazing. Jesus can say one phrase and it includes the whole Bible. I mean, it's crazy. I'm, I'm for real. Okay. I, I tell you this. We're, we're going to get into more of this next week. We'll kind of go into this a little bit deeper. This, it's just super interesting to me. Your kingdom come and, and rule over us, Lord. So it's a posture of submission. It's a posture of worship. Hey, I, I recommend you do this. Now, you, you, you work it out how you, you can. And if you've got bad knees, you work it out some other kind of way. Okay, you're, you're given a kingdom. Your life works best when you're in submission to the real king. Find you a way to submit. I mean physically, mentally, spiritually. Find you a way to submit your life, whatever it might be. Okay. I I I I do it this way. I kneel. You know, and that's kind of been the tradition of ancients anyway. You know, whenever you come into the presence of the king, what do you do? You bow. And of course, that's a lot of biblical language in bowing and kneeling before the Lord your God. You know that kind of thing. Take your kingdom, your family. That's a that's an important kingdom. It's a lot of responsibility to raise another human. To have influence like a husband or wife does in another human. That's a huge responsibility. Okay? Take it. Take that whatever part of your kingdom you need to take. Bow before God. And say, I want your kingdom to come into this. I recommend you go through every facet of your life. If you own a business. If you work a job. You got kids. What about your finances? How different would your finances be if God's kingdom came into your finances? see now when we think God's kingdom coming at our finances oftentimes we think well God he's going to help me win the lottery no that's, not, that's probably not going to happen what if God's kingdom coming in your finances is you learning and training yourself to use your finances and bring those finances in submission to his kingdom and then that's when he said I'll pour out my blessing and it may be great increase when his kingdom comes into your finances I don't know he does that you know, what would, what would the kingdom of God look like in your home? I think about this when I drive up down these streets right here. Lord, what would it look like if your kingdom came to Gilbert Town in Choctaw County? What would that look like? Well, he's got kingdom outposts all over the place. I pass them every day, don't you? People's houses, churches. He's got kingdom outposts everywhere. But what would it look like if your rule and reign really came into Choctaw County? It'd be fun to see, wouldn't it? Jesus is saying, I want you to pray into that. Everybody's worried about what's going on in Iran. I tell you what, we better be worried about what's going on in your house. I mean, we're concerned with that too. And hey, what about, even, well, let's open up the globe. That situation in Iran. When you see, when you watch the news, Jesus brought the kingdom into ordinary, everyday life. So that's some everyday stuff going on in our world. Okay. What would it look like if God's kingdom came into that situation in Iran? What if instead of fussing and complaining, 
and being Republican or Democrat over the situation, what if we got consumed with the kingdom? I said, Lord, how about your kingdom come in that situation with Iran? Hey, I guarantee you there's no human solution to it. I can promise you that. What would it look like? What would it look like? You watch the news, read the newspaper, do whatever you do. You run across all these tragic, ter terrible things that are happening. Lord, your kingdom come. Take some time. Make it real. Make it for real. See what I'm talking about? Ah, that's just kind of... <laughs> that's good stuff, ain't it? Jesus is serious. He wants us to pray like this. He wants us to believe like this. He wants us to work towards this however way we need to. Personally, collectively as a group. He's serious about this. This is what he's after on earth as it is in heaven. Does it look like heaven or does it look like earth? Does it look like heaven or does it look like hell? You, you, we've got to discern those kind of things. See what God's doing. Partner with him. In prayer and in good works. Good 